Yeah, I'm the only person in London not doing the marathon. I'm Russ Kane, and welcome to Men's Radio Station, where men really talk and play. But onto that a little bit later in the programme. I've got to tell you, you know, the marathon's a great thing. I don't know how many people run, 35, 40,000, whatever it is, but they run right past where I live. Okay. So I know that the roads are closed. I get that. Because I, I made the mistake when they did a mini marathon. I was trying to get to the studio. So I set off, not realizing that some of the pavements are closed as well. My mood was not sunny, rather like the weather today. And, and everybody, I'm going one way to get to the station, right? And I've got probably 10, 15,000 people, because it's a real vantage point where I am, coming the other way. So there's just me like an idiot going one way and 15,000 people were wondering who the hell's this idiot with a grim face using his elbows to barge through. That was me. So if I got you in the ribs, I'd say I'm sorry, but I'm not really. Because, you know, the show must go on and all of that stuff. Packed show today. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, no Phil because basically uh, he ran out of hair gel and therefore cannot broadcast. And frankly, it's a relief. Uh, but Boy Wonder... Producer James Blake is in the house. Doing the pose, as always. Always the pose of magnificence, the pose of victory. And first guest. Well, this is a complicated... This is a complicated... You know when you read someone's biog, right? You read the biog and you think, oh, I'll just have a gag. So I went into our green room, which is now really pretty damn lush. It's better than you get at the BBC, because sure, you don't get anything. When I do the BBC shows, I bring my own pen. multi billion pound organization I have to bring my 10p tesco biro into the bbc because you can't find a pen you can't even find a notebook i mean i've never seen a shambles like it still we're only paying for it so who cares um so um i went into the green room and i said because uh, it said something about saxophone this is a very very heavyweight uh, medical genius we're going to talk to in a second right expert in his field Number one. Which is what? Next to the carrots and the uh, potatoes? That yes, field. That oh, okay, <laughs> fine. And uh, so I went in with my usual sort of witty bondinage to put him at his ease. I said, oh, we'll have a bit of, a uh, little bit of Coltrane and I'd love a bit of Chet Baker and everything. Well, blow me down. Only thought I was being serious. And from his rucksack, I thought, why is this elegant man dragging a rucksack like he's, you know, a Canadian student or something, <laughs> blocking my way on the central line? pulls out a saxophone. <laughs> so my completely ridiculous joke then blew up in my face, and there it is. Dan, Dan, the saxophone man. That is what, you know, Dan Reinstein, welcome to Men's Radio Station. Thank you. That's a, that, that was it. Thank <laughs> you. You're looking. I like any man who arrives with a monogram shirt. <laughs> this is very, very cool. DZR, which is either the uh, Docklands Light Railway or it's your middle name, which is... Which what, is what is the middle name with Z? Zoltan. My, Are you serious? Seriously, is Zoltan. Some, your parents read those comics a little bit too much, No, they? no, my mother is Hungarian. Zoltan. And, and actually, when I moved to the UK, uh, back to the UK in 2001... I thought of doing that American thing of uh, you, your first name as an initial, initial, yeah, and then using your middle name. So, like, you know, d yeah, you know, R, you know, Alexander Huckleback, the D, Huckleback, the D Zoltan Reinstein. That would be it. That would, that would be, be it. But you decided against it. 
I did, but I'm, I might <laughs> decide for it again because I, I was talking with some people last night about how my British passport, I, I'm, as you can tell, I'm British. Yes, um, yes. But my British passport... Were you born within the sound of bow bells? It <laughs> sounds like it. Gosh. Well, it won't help me, you know, once October 31st comes, uh, you know, to travel a lot in, in Europe. No. And so, but then I thought, wait a minute, my mother's Hungarian. Uh-huh. I can get a Hungarian passport. Genius. So I'm going to be Zoltan after that. I, I would do that. Yeah. I, I, I would. Everybody I know is getting a different passport. If I could get a different passport, I would. Sadly, the independent state of idiocracy doesn't it's exist uh, yet. Incredible. So I can't. The monogram, a, the monogram yeah. thing is funny because. Um, but it's I, cool. Well, I like when that. I first first I went to Thailand on holiday with the kids and came back and I and my my son was about five and my son Max and he, he we were sitting at dinner and, and he said. Daddy, you're really famous. <laughs> and I said, really? Why, why is that, Maxie? And I thought, you know, because he's seen me on television. Because I did, I did yeah. uh, extreme makeover for the eye surgery oh, part. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was on TV every few weeks. And I thought, yeah, yeah, he's seeing his daddy on television. He, yeah. He's impressed. Why, 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 why am I so famous, mm-hmm. Maxie? He goes, because they make shirts with your initials on it. <laughs> <laughs> That is the standard for when... That was it. That was it. That is utter genius. (laughs) Do you know, it's the thing. I've got four kids, right? And it doesn't matter what you do. When they're your kids, they just don't care. You could be the most... You could be the first guy to land on the moon and you're still boring dad. It doesn't... They don't care. You know, my whole life, I might as well just work to the Halifax Building Society behind the counter for all day. It doesn't matter what you do. They're so unimpressed. I don't know what no, it takes to impress no, them. No, they're always impressed. No, they're never impressed. No, you're no, their no, dad. No, no, no. Dad is always dad. Trust me, they dad are never. My dad is still my dad. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, 80, coming up to 87, he's still my dad. Now, your, your very melodious accent is... Well, I'm American originally. From? Uh, from my father's from the Bronx, from New York. Mm-hmm. But... I was at uh, 170th and uh, Grand <laughs> Parkway or something like that. <laughs> uh, we, we, went, we went there once, actually. Uh, we, we went there because I, I lecture at, at Columbia University once a year. And uh, so I, we, our tradition is that we will go together for the weekend. I'll do my oh. lecturing. And one, we, one, one of these trips, we, we, we rented a car and drove up to the Bronx. This was about four or five years ago. Yep. And uh, we went to his old neighborhood. And the, the high school is still there. Right. Um, but the house where he lived is, you know, it's gone. Um, and, of course, it's not the neighborhood you want to kind of walk around in anymore. Uh, but we went around I the... I thought you were going to say the opposite. It's all been gentrified and it's fabulous. Well, and you've got coffee, latte, you know, not, well, it will be. coffee no, no, shops, you, you all can that crap. Bet, you can bet that in 20 years' time it will yeah. be. But it, yeah. the, the line is moving up, right? Yeah. So we go around the corner and uh, the he's like, oh, oh that, that's the synagogue where I had my bar mitzvah. But it, you know, and it said Iglesia Pentecostal above it, right? Right. And he was, he looked a bit kind of down about it. And I said, Dad, it's okay. It's the same owner. It's just different management. (laughs) 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 When you said that, I thought it was like uh, the new album from Julio Iglesias when you (laughs) described it. Now, um, we're going to hear you play bizarrely soon but that's not really what you do i mean you do that we come on to that in a bit but really you are like one of the country's leading eye surgeons is that is that what you would say i would say that in 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 the in the area that i'm specialized in yes i mean it's hard to 
put it any other way. But then it's easier because that's all I do. No, it's not easy. It's not easy. Not yeah, easy. Yeah, look, look at James. <laughs> all he does is produce. All he does is produce. You would not say he's one of the leading produ- producers. Uh, I, would, I would. I would. I would. I'm I'm saying he's the not way that, the the way that he you know? soundcheck that thing in two seconds, I would say he is. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> just because he got you to speak does not mean he was actually doing anything. He just said, speak. You speak. And he nods wisely. And you think, hey, he's good. He's good. Yeah. Play, play, with, play with a little button. Play, yeah. play with the buttons. Yeah. Look wise. <laughs> Sounds good. Now. Tell us, tell us much more about what you do. And you brought a pal with, who's sitting there very quietly but looking ridiculously handsome. Yeah. So he's already I'm, got on I'm my nerves. Test case patient. You're the test well, case patient. It's thanks to the, this is. genius beside me that I can see. So I'm just. In the, I, he always takes with him somebody who he's, whose life he's saved or he's made safe. So I'm just. Serious? No. Serious? Today, today, no. Can you do that? No. no. James is, is is an incredible journalist. Just, serious journalist. Just, serious journalist. We, we we met the a while ago. Uh, based on some you know amazing stories that he'd written and uh so we've become very good friends and but he was walking around without glasses minus three like literally i don't know what blind. that means uh blind like like you serious I, I, mm. it, it's extraordinary that he Jeez. someone could actually function in society with that level of vision <laughs> but then again you know he's a journalist but you're making so he, you're only making has, he only has to see up close no, <laughs> they just make it up so anyway the thing could you not see uh, well, so basically, up until 20... And could you go uh, just a fraction near the microphone? Up until I was 20, yeah, my, yeah. my vision was fine. And then it started to get, um, you know, distance would be an issue. And um, I live in central London, so I don't drive. So it was never a huge issue if you go to the cinema or for meeting somebody in a restaurant. There were certain very embarrassing practical moments. But I just had got used. I didn't like the idea of having to go and get glass and have them on my face. I just, I just got used Thank to life without it. And I guess because it was progressive... Um, I just got used to it. And it would, seemed normal would, to me, would and it was glasses only... of sol- would glasses initially have solved the problem? Um, well, it, well, I'd have been able to see, and uh, well, the professor it would have been... is nodding. So <laughs> well, I think I, the answer is yes. Yes, I, I was just. Um, I mean, I, got, I was just busy. I was just busy. What, so too busy to put on for a ten, pair of glasses to go and get them. You know, you've got you got to go and meet you know people, and they test your eyes and strange yeah, stuff. Yeah, it takes like about that. twenty minutes. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's things. Things are busy. So um, I, I had I left I left I left that off, and then um, I've I've known Dan uh, many many years, and. Uh, uh, How? Um, I was through a mutual friend, uh, Keith Bishop. Um, Never heard of him. Have Moving you know, on. <laughs> I don't know Keith Bishop. Lovely man. Nobody lovely knows mate. Keith Bishop. No, number one man. Number, no, one, no number one lady. Number one lady. Lovely, <laughs> lovely. Bye, bye, bye. Um, so, lovely, yes. Uh, so, uh, and we, Dan said to me many times, you know, well, lazy your eyes. And I was like, well, you know, and the, uh, just the thought of it, um, I'm very, very, very squeamish and, and a complete yes. coward. So um, those two things didn't work well together. And then one night we were out for dinner and uh, Dan and his uh, business partner, Craig, said, oh, you're getting your eyes lasered. And I was like, well, I don't think so. And no, no, you are. And da- just took out their diary and said, right, you're in this day. And I kind of tried to protest and then uh, they, you know, they made it happen. And actually I went in and I was about to have it done um, seconds away from surgery and I tried to run away. And Dan came in, uh, kind of eating an apple, and said, "Oh, you're going to run away? Are you like chomp, chomp?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm running away." Dan, he goes, "Okay." He goes, "Well, just come in here via here, and then lay me down and zap my eyes." So um, get out. Thanks to, he did like a sneaky, almost Wait like almost against my free will. Wait a minute, this <laughs> apple. Did you ever see? The story gets more and more elaborate every time I hear it. It was like, have you seen Snow White? I was about to say, do you ever see Snow White? And he said, Dan said, hey, try this apple just before you go. Actually, I got it. And the thing you knew you could see. See, now now I've got got this new technique where I just eat an apple and the patient can see. 
impressive. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. his surname is. But it actually, God. it's it's almost as easy as that because you literally, we were talking, you lie down, uh-huh. you say, he says, look at this bright light here, look at this bright light here, and then you get up, mm-hmm. and he says, before you lie down, he says, look at that clock, and before I lay down, it was a, a blur, uh-huh. and then I lay down, and two minutes later, you get up, and you can see the clock. You like are a joking me. Is it really that easy? It really is. There's no pain. There's uh, no discomfort. He was taking selfies as he was doing it. What? I'm sure that was all patience. That was uh, to to mock my my <laughs> trauma, doing selfies and taking the the hand out of me the whole way through it, which uh, added great merriment and uh, killed my fear. And then I I got up and he said, "Open your eyes," and I carefully opened my eyes and I could see perfectly. But you were not uh, you were not knocked out. Oh, no, you're wide, you're, 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 wide, you're wide awake. You can't you're, be knocked out, can you? Yeah, laser eye surgery. No, you don't need to be. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's yeah. completely pain-free. And, and you know, the idea of it would seem to be impossible to be awake. Yes. And to, but, it, but you literally, and he's talking to you, and it's like playing a computer game. It's, it's kind of like you go into like a 3D computer game. He says, look to the left, and there's all these like bright lights. Look to the right. Uh-huh. And then he goes, it's done. And you kind of think, oh, I don't think so. And then he moves to the next eye. And both eyes done. And then he says, did, get up. But, and it, but I thought, and this is my, my ignorance, uh, Professor Dan, that I thought you honestly had to have your eyes like open, like uh, I, I like think clock it's clockwork yeah, orange. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I thought that's what you had. No, to that's, do. seriously, that's, not, that's what that's I thought re- you had to do. That's the problem: is that everyone still thinks about that movie. Yeah. Um, it's really um, without going into the details of what you actually do, because that would be bad for you if I told you. Mm-hmm. It's actually like this: you lie down, yep. you look at a flashing light, you wait a few minutes, it's done. You, you barely feel anything at all. It's just extraordinary. It is extraordinary. It's it's actually it's so extraordinary that I I, I made a um, a technical film for a conference that we have once a year with ten thousand of my colleagues. Uh, it's a fifteen minute history. Sorry, ten thousand people. <laughs> ten thousand people who do Are this you kind like of the surgery. Springsteen of eyes. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, and, and I made a, a fifteen minute technical video on the tec- technical achievements of mankind to make a three-minute procedure that can cure 97% of all prescriptions in a few minutes, and it heals in a few hours. It's the, it, basically, on the one hand, it, it, the story goes all the way back to Einstein, not Reinstein, no. but Einstein, <laughs> um, Even who, I didn't whose, whose theories, who, who, who had a, who, whose theory predicted that lasers could be made, and they weren't made till 50 years later, but he, he had the idea of how that could happen. And on the other hand, you have a Spaniard who uh, was living in Colombia in, in the 19, late 1940s who experimented first on rabbits but worked out a way of reshaping the cornea with a lathe. Okay, it's a mechanical process. But now the la- it's the same process was then taken over by laser. Sorry, I'm hearing the word lathe yeah, and no, eyes. Exactly. And I'm about to bring up unbelievable, my breakfast. Unbelievable. So he was doing a surgery where... He would he would slice off the front two thirds of the cornea, and this disc would be frozen in liquid nitrogen, then put on a watchmaker's lathe, lathed to a different shape, then unfrozen, thawed, and sewn back on the cornea, and he could correct a minus twenty and get it within plus or minus four diopters. Minus twenty is like coke bottle bottom oh, right, stuff. Right. When the laser came around through the other side of history, it was possible to make the surgery so accurate that we can now lathe within a quarter of a diopter, okay? So now we can take someone who's minus 0.75, who barely needs glasses, 
and nail it on zero. Or we can take a you know very blind person like Justin and nail it on zero. <laughs> so it, it's it's the con it's the confluence of physicists and biologists and doctors and surgeons, and it led to this. Really, it's almost I would say it's almost as miraculous as landing a man on the moon. The the complexity of what we do in three minutes. It it's the reason I had Clockwork Orange at top of mind is because mm. this week I went to the Design Museum and I went to the press launch of the Stanley Kubrick exhibition, oh, wow. which is, by the way, depending on when you're listening to this and you're listening around the world, so you may not be listening in London, uh, is great. It's a terrific exhibition. And, and you were saying that Einstein predicted, uh, um, you know, the, the, the way that lasers could operate. And when you see the drawings and you see the stuff that was in 2001, I'm digressing for a Absolutely. second, which came out in 68, I think, 68, 69, something like that. Everything we take for granted now was there. Unbelievable. I watched that movie with my boys mm -hmm. two months ago oh, wow. on, on Blu-ray at home. Well, I'll tell and you I was it, shocked yeah. at how not aged it seemed. Mm, you be, look at yeah. uh, Star Trek from the 60s, and it looks you know, well, hokey. That's the, that's the charm. But it? Yeah, now that's the charm. But this film is timeless yeah. you look at star wars it looks dated right star mm. wars from the 80s yeah but this is app and it was from before that oh yes and, and with it no was CGI. absolutely and on. kubrick had no, C C no cgi i'm sorry to talk about this for hours now here's a little Beautiful. thing that'll, that'll stun you if you l enjoyed that film mm. as a little boy i was on the set of 2001 really oh yeah it's all my dad's timber my dad was a timber importer, so he supplied the studios. And uh, he was just there for business. But I was there because I was absolutely in love with the movie industry. Who the hell wouldn't, you know? Yeah. And uh, It was very formative for me, that movie, actually. Because uh, I saw yeah. it when I was a, I don't know, I must have been 12 or yeah, 13 yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah. And, and it I was really, yeah. it was a tough thing for a little kid to watch. It was the only film my dad and I ever discussed, ever. But amazing. I walked all over the set, and he just wanted to go home. He'd done the deal, you know, the amazing. timber was sold and all the rest of it. And, amazing. Uh, uh, and I was just walking around. Every button was labeled correctly. So on the spaceship and on the, cent you know, the centrifuge thing, the yeah. big every single button was had a proper label as if you never saw it. Right. But such was his attention to detail, much like men's radio station. Everything, actually, we have nothing labeled. We don't even know. We've got a cup of tea. We're, we're, we're happy. So Much like laser eye surgery. Well, I tell you, we've got to label I, everything. In yeah. Nice. Left eye, right eye. That That's right. That's right. Now, I, I've got to dig deeper into this. Are you saying to me, Mr. Handsome Fellow over there with your <laughs> model hair, um, what it... The, you, there were no drops in your eyes. Yeah, I, I so want to hear from the patient. <coughs> yeah, professor. so in, in very simple terms, no, like obviously yeah. they don't just take you off the street and, and zap you. Although it's not too far off that, but um, you get taken in, Strawberry. have a nice cup of coffee. They, they give you a little bit of chocolate. You, you know, you're made to feel very welcome. Yeah, um, chocolate is medicinal. Yeah, medicinal chocolate. This is my um, uh, and uh, and you're taken uh, downstairs. And and yes, they put some drops in your eyes. So essentially, the only thing that's different is is the numbing of your eyes but you don't right. feel you know you feel drops going in so that's the it's not a discomfort that's all you that's the only feeling you you have until um 
and uh, until they do it. And um, you go into the waiting room, and then a man comes in eating an apple and tells you, yeah. you can't leave, <laughs> you're going to be zapped, yeah. and you lie this down. Is, this is so exaggerated. But anyway, this okay. is exactly <laughs> what happened. And um, I'm going with him. I could get into serious trouble if your story was true. But I, I <laughs> the fact is, even if his story wasn't true, it's a better story than yours. Well, I think so I Dan, like his story. Dan loves me so much that he knew that I was. Uh, it would have. It was the right thing that I'd regret it if I didn't. And he and he was of course completely right because um, I would. I literally was about to leave. I'm ultra ultra squeamish. When I was a kid, I had a, an eye accident, and so Ooh. it was clicked with my eyes. I'm ultra squeamish. So if I can get through, it, anyone can. So I just thought, no, I'm just going to walk away because walking away is always easy to do. And. Um, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful I didn't because it changes your life and there's nothing else you can do in your life with your senses. You only have a, a few senses and there's nothing else that exists in, in medicine or in any, uh, you know, that can change a sense. Can you imagine if you can, in three minutes, improve your hearing by, you know, a thousand percent. That would be good. There's nothing else, exactly, or anything, or, you, or your strength by, you know, that percent. There's no other physical thing that you will ever do that exists that is comparable to this. That's what kind of blows me away. So you literally, you walk in there as a disabled, essentially, human being, and you walk away with 20-20 superhuman vision that is the same as a fighter pilot or is the best in the world. Hmm. And that can be whether you're, you're really blind or really, really blind. Like, you know, there's Dan covers such not all surgeons uh, could do that, but Dan covers a miraculous range of, of eye. The thing that worries uh, that, that, that there's always been in the back of my mind, <coughs> and, and, and it's quite a genuine, genuine thing because I wear glasses to read, I don't need them for anything else, right? right. No, I don't need them for anything else, but for reading, I, I it's hopeless, absolutely right. hopeless. And as a writer, which is primarily what I do. That is a complete pain in the uh, pain in the rear end. Yeah. So I've got glasses on every single surface all over the house, right. obviously, and in the car, and every every place, every that's pocket. Right. That's right. Uh, with me, you find hand sanitizer because that's how I roll, and glasses. Good. Those are the two things. Without my reading glasses, I am screwed. Sure. And I'm always thinking, well, you know, I could, I could do this. I wouldn't mind doing this. I wouldn't mind doing this because it's such a pain in the ass trying to find. And then what happens? Afterwards, this is my technical question, mm. as technical as I get. Mm. Can your eyes then degenerate from that procedure and y you can only have it once or can it be redone or how does now, it work? Well, look, it, obviously the eye is a living thing. So um, uh, as Mae West said when she was in her 70s, um, I am, my body is exactly the way it was 40 years ago, just lower. <laughs> um, and so the the, bo <laughs> the, 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 the body is biologi it's biological biological system. So yes, we correct the vision, and then perhaps five, ten, fifteen years later, it's not quite as sharp anymore. Mm -hmm. Yes, it can be adjusted, and in fact, we can adjust it pretty much as many times as is required until you know you can keep wow. people out of glasses for the whole of their lives basically but there's, it, a, there's nothing about the process that means you're gonna have to have treatment or makes it or risks your vision or makes it worse if that's what you in my mind i'm thinking okay. what happens if it, I'm, I'm not saying you but you know yeah. like you with eyes yeah. i'm incredibly squeamish mm. with eyes most other things i can deal with but that is just like well I, I think that's one of the key things because you know, you go to somebody like Dan who's done 60,000 uh, operations well, or whatever. Don't exaggerate, 28,000. 28,000. <laughs> uh, 28, he's, he's only 8,000. Yes. And, um, uh, <laughs> you know that that's 20, 20 essentially you know 28000 I'm laughing you think because the line is like uh are you getting it right yet i mean exactly you know you think 20500 i was being i was being modest yeah. it's 28500 <laughs> so you know you, you take that you take rank that james don't even think about it he's a rank amateur doesn't know <laughs> what the hell is doing. and uh, out of all those people you know they they can all see and i'm sure all of them you know 
uh, oh. would swear to us that, well, we but, won't go in, but you have such an incredible, you know, if you look at anything that you do in your life statistically, it's such a, a safe bet. And I'm, I said, the most squeamish person, and I analyzed that. I'm a journalist, so I went through that meticulously. And it's as, as safe a procedure as you can have. Now, obviously, your eyes are involved, but, you know, you can't go blind from it. And if there are complications, it's from infection, from things that, that, that they can deal with. Now, if you obviously have this done in a, in a shoddy place or mm -hmm. in somewhere that's less uh, um, professional as the London Vision Clinic, you know, there, there's, there's different risks depending where you go. But it's so minimal, and the benefits are so huge. Um, for me personally, it was a complete uh, no-brainer. You see, the interesting thing, which I want to come back to you about, is this. Uh, the whole ethos of men's radio station and our sister station, women's radio station, uh, and the reason that uh, Howard Jameson and I set it up was about well-being and everything that right. comes under that overarching umbrella of well-being. And in this case, it's for men. But obviously, the same applies in, in this particular instance for women as well. Has your life radically improved since the procedure a hundred percent and in ways that i couldn't have anticipated Such and as. i my deep regret is that i didn't do this 10 years before i did um in every respect in uh, and sometimes in quite a, a personal way as well because there's interactions with people that i that i often have missed in the past you know if you're um sometimes it, little eye exchanges are done yeah. outside of a field of vision that i didn't know was relevant almost before you know i had a range of vision maybe about seven foot or so you know that in close detail and often if you're in a restaurant or certain social settings a girl or somebody you know or you know whoever whether it be romantic or otherwise mm -hmm. exchanges subtle differences and I, and I look back and see things that i probably missed so that's on a personal level and obviously on a practical level you know i play football every week so that's been changed um going to the cinema i don't have to sit in the front row anymore or the first that's five rows the front I can row sit, of I can the sit cinema. Yeah, my yeah. God! Exactly, and uh, trying Jeez. trying to drag your you know your partner to the front row of the cinema every time that is like a a, 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 a full horror show. Oh, yes, it, bloody awful. You have to buy a lot of popcorn to get over that one. So yeah. um and uh and walking down the street, you know, there's a safety aspect. Um, you know, just crossing the roads, particularly when you live in London. There's there's a, there's a whole host of factors, and the fact also that it's just like an instant, such an instant thing. I walked into that clinic, uh, you know, as essentially a disabled person. People think of your eyes, you don't think of it as a disability it's really a disability no, if, no, if you had a do. lame arm you know it wouldn't no be. i do because my father was legally blind oh, wow and uh, so i lived with that for many 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 years wow. and i and i watched his world mm -hmm. get narrower yeah. and narrower awesome. and narrower it was absolutely horrendous it would have been before books on tape it, it was before every, yes was, was it, it was macular degeneration or? no it's now that uh, i you, you will know. No, 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 no. You will know. It was the most extreme tunnel vision. Wow. So it was uh, as if he retinitis was, pigmentosa. Yeah, that was it. It was as if right. he was looking. If you know, you go to a poster shop or you go yeah. somewhere and they've got a long, long cardboard tube around which, say, wrapping paper is. I mean, long thing. You know, like gift paper or something. That's what. Yeah. He, somebody. Yeah. Well, I went to one of the doctors. I said, well, "What's right. my dad dealing with?" And they said, look through this cardboard tube. And I said, well, I can't see anything. He said, that's how your father's yeah. living his life. And it was horrendous. Oh. It was horrend absolutely horrendous. So eyes, for me, is very, very, very important indeed. This has been an absolutely riveting stuff. Um, we've got a first coming up for Men's Radio Station, a musical uh, enchantment. I say that because I'm looking at a solid gold saxophone. Uh, so it's got to be enchanting or else I'll be out of the building. Meanwhile, it is time to pay the rent. You're listening to Russ Kanan. Men, men's radio station. Where men really talk. Boom. 
Love it. Uh, I'm Ross Kane. This is Men's Radio Station, rocking the decks as always. The Boy Wonder producer, uh, James Blake. Uh, James's mum looking after the green room. <laughs> you think I'm making it up? No, no, no. I'm, I'm really not. What I love about James's mum is she dresses up like she's going to a cocktail party every Sunday. It's amazing. I've never seen anybody. I'm used to the BBC where they look like they've just, you know, been hiking or something. But not James's mum, who arrives in a black cocktail dress and heels. <laughs> you don't, get, you don't get that at the BBC, I can you. don't sure get you, anything no. at the BBC, including a smile. Um, right, my special guests are Dan Reinstein, who is a top eye surgeon, that's what I'm going to call him. And uh, he's brought with him, I think basically for decorative purposes, uh, Justin Stoneman, who is one of his one of the patients that he operated on <laughs> with great success. Um, right, now, we were talking before the break, uh, Dr. Dan, um, about being squeamish, and I asked, uh, through ignorance, but interest as well, that if it could go wrong, but also can it be redone, etc., etc. And I, and so in the break we were chatting about that, and you're saying there's like something like 19 myths about eye surgery, and, it, and I think it's really important because a lot of people listening, and remember we've got listeners all over the world. I know there's a lot of people in the states listen to the show, and and Australia and France, bizarrely. Uh, je ne bonjour. Sais quoi. Uh, bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> Partout, David Mindal in the uh, sud of France. With laser? Uh, yes, with the laser. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and they're probably thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about eye surgery, but it really scares the crap out of me. Mm. So, mm. how would you reassure them? Well, I, I, I started forming this list because it was uh, apparent that the information that's out there in the general public about laser eye surgery is based on. Uh, the James Bond movie where he's lying there with the laser and, you know, like, so if you move your head, you know, you'll, your ear will get cut off or something like yeah. that. Um, anyway, I started this list and I've, I've got my top, uh, well, I've got the top 17 here written down. So I'll just, Goldfinger. I'll rattle them out. It was Goldfinger, it was, Goldfinger, was it? Yeah. So uh, it's still very new and the field is developing, so it's worth waiting. It doesn't work very well. You still need glasses after the procedure. It can't correct long-sightedness. It can't correct astigmatism. It can't correct the need for reading glasses as you get older, which is the presbyopia. You could end up blind. It hurts. If you blink or move during the procedure, it can go wrong. If something goes wrong, there's nothing that could be done. It doesn't last very long. It needs redoing. We don't know about the long-term safety. The prescription has to be stable before you have it done. If you get a cataract later in life, you can't have that done anymore. Contact lenses are safer than laser eye surgery. Contact lenses are cheaper than laser eye surgery. Discounted laser eye surgery is the same as more expensive laser eye surgery. Some clinics offer a variety of treatment options on the premise that several options are available for correcting vision. That's a myth. Hmm. Right? There's only one option. There's only one for way to fix every, your eyes, right? For, there's only one option for each eye, which is the best option for that eye. Right. And there are clinics that say, well, if you want quite good vision, it costs you this, and if you want slightly better vision, what? then you do it. I know, no, 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 I yeah, believe it. Can, it's all over the internet. Yeah. It's oh, a sort it of like, a, true. like an upsell. No, no, it's their, an upsell. On their, on their website. It's an upsell. You know, come in for three ninety nine. And then we'll upsell Are you, you with the serious? I must be able to have hey, better night vision. Or it's, unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So it's they unbelievable. dice and slice. They dice and slice it. No, yeah. no pun intended. Mm. Saying, "Hey, mm. you can't afford the whole thing." But how about? Yeah, that's exactly so how it is. Good if you God. can only afford that much, we'll give you this much. Mm. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, but that's the list. I mean, here I can I can hand so it that, to you. If no, you no, no, I, I, I trust you. You're a doctor. No, no, but if you want, um, to no, what, what I'm saying is, so all that list, it, it's it's myth. Every single one of those things, I could speak for half an hour about why it's wrong. If you've ever uh, had eye surgery and you want to talk about it, sorry, that was my glasses <laughs> for me. Spot the irony. Uh, 0203 290 That's 0203. Have you got the jingle? Go on, just just to amuse me. Have you got you it? You want? Of course, I want jingle. the jingle. I mean, I guess it's see the way that's silky smooth. What do you mean it's still there? No, I mean, I guess you ever met David Mint? <laughs> have you for lunch? 0203 I do that just to annoy Phil Dave, but he's not here, so it's just annoying myself, really. Um, yeah, do call, because I'd be really fascinated to know if you've had eye surgery and it was great, or you had eye surgery, and for you, it didn't work, and for whatever reason, it didn't work, and uh, what were your views on that? So all of those things are myths. Why have the myths in a fairly sophisticated age in which we live, mm-hmm. although I think we're heading back to <laughs> barbaric times, why have they been allowed to stay you know still circulating and not been laid to rest it, it you know i think it's multifactorial as to how that how it's ended up but part of the reason is that a lot of the legacy history from laser eye surgery from the 1990s persists so things like you can only correct short-sighted you could correct long-sightedness or you can't correct astigmatism we've been correcting astigmatism since 1993 but there were lasers in the 90s that could only do sphere and not astigmatism. So there are things that just get locked in. Yeah. And then unfortunately, um, perhaps uh, opt- optometrists, high street opticians who see patients, most of the patients who need glasses see them, right? right. They're not up to date. And so they might just continuously you know, so propagate. It's a self-propagating it's a myth. myth. So for example, the reading vision thing is... Is, is the biggest um, shame, I think. Because about 15 years ago when I moved back to the UK, part of the reason was so that I could be outside of the US FDA regulatory shackles and develop things at a much higher s- uh, speed um, with Carl Zeiss. So Dan uh, actually designs the lasers that he's up and you with, which is an extraordinary thing as so, well. So, so, so Carl Zeiss, I, I've been their lead consultant since 2001. You and he builds the lasers. Yeah. And 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 so I, I had this concept, which which came in because of a, a series of coincidences, and I noticed that I could use um, the laser to change the optics of the eye so that I could increase the depth of field of the eye. So rather than light being focused at a point, mm-hmm. it's focused in, in a zone. Dan has more patents than uh, Dyson. Yeah, it's extraordinary. No, no. List, isn't it? um, and 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 anyway, we developed this into what we called laser blended vision. And that was about 2004. And I treated uh, about 1,000 patients and gave the data to Zeiss and presented all this to them and showed them the science and showed them the equations, expecting them to say, thank you very much, Sonny. That's very good. We're the optics company. We'll just make it better. And to my uh, surprise, they said, that's really good. Uh, We'll be programming that into the laser. So in 2009, they literally literally put the equations straight into the laser, no changes. And so they made a product called Presbyond, which is a software, it's a software upgrade on the laser. It's the same laser, it just changes what it does. So we at the London Vision Clinic have now treated 
well, certainly over 6,000 patients since 2004 for reading vision, okay? And we've done it using LASIK, which is the laser eye surgery procedure that has been done now in 55 million eyes around the world. And it's very accurate, and it's very safe and all of that with some modifications, right? In the meantime, the commonly used procedure for reading glasses, which is to replace the lens that's inside the eye with a plastic lens. Mm -hmm. So you take out the natural lens, which is not a cataract yet, but you use the same operation that you would do for cataract surgery in a younger person with a clear lens, extract that clear lens. It's called clear lens extraction, actually and then put in a plastic lens into the eye that's like a bifocal or a trifocal mm -hmm. so that you could see at different distances. That surgery works, and there are many, many happy patients out there who've had that. But that really is quite a scary one, I think, well, the, isn't it? The point is that it does work, but it's higher risk mm. than staying outside of the eye. And I mean, I, mm. my 10-year-old knows, would be able to tell you that, right? Stay outside of the eye is less risk than going inside of the eye. So when I, you know, my, my view of eye surgery is you've got to do, you've got to think of safety first. And when it comes to safety first, then the answer is you shouldn't be going inside the eye if you can stay outside of the eye and do the same thing. So my frustration is that it is still very, very much um, believe that that you you have to replace the lens inside the eye, and it's advertised on television. It's called uh, permanent lens replacement, mm -hmm. and it's all you know. They have the nice pictures of people running through the beach and whatever. Of course, with, with, without everything glass. great happens when you run in slow motion on the beach. On slow I've never done that in my life. Reading in slow motion, I well, think, would course. be that. Well, I do. I think in <laughs> slow motion, so I can get that. It's where 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 do you uh, I was going to say operate from no pun intended where where is where is all this taking place So we we I established with my uh, friend and partner Craig Engelfried we established the London Vision Clinic on Harley Street in two thousand and two, uh, and so we're you know we've been very fortunate worked hard of course but we've been very hmm. fortunate we're well the harder uh, you you know what they say and I always believe it the harder you work the luckier you get. Right. Um, and the, the truth. And people want to get, because uh, we're a commercial radio station, I've always been in commercial radio. Mm. How do people get hold of you? We've got plenty of time, but I like, I like to well, get we, it in so you're not rushed. I mean, the easiest way is to, if you search London Vision Clinic or, you know, LondonVisionClinic.com is our mm -hmm. website. That's the easiest way. Um, uh, you can find all the information. I mean, the point is that we, we load our website with um, uh, data and, and facts. And, and we don't hide the, 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 the nice, scary stuff. Nice big print. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to change me. that yourself. Just for I'm me. A little, I just want to like, the, yeah, what the hell? The point is that, you know, I believe uh, when I w was a casualty officer at St. Mary's Hospital as a junior doctor, um, my, one of the, he's one of the icons of my medical education, um, who was our, our consultant there. He, he used to say to us, knowledge dispels fear. And that has been my my motto, if you like, for laser eye surgery, because the more you know about it, actually, the more calm you'll be about it, because the more you'll realize that this thing is really safe. I mean, one of the things that that has um, surprises almost everybody um, when we tell them that, you know, obviously daily disposable contact lenses are the safest ones because they're yeah. the ones that you just throw out at the end of the day. You don't have to sterilize them yourself. If you wear daily disposable contact lenses every day for one year, mm -hmm. 
you have now accumulated the risk of laser eye surgery in terms of producing a little bit of damage to your vision. Now, my daughter has to do that. That's what she's always done. If you uh, wear monthlies or two weeklies, the ones that you have to clean yourself, now you've actually, you're going to accumulate that risk before a year has gone by. So this is this is actually the truth of the balance between risk and benefit. If you want to know how safe it is, Dan has lasered his own eyes. Ooh! How how cool is that? That's that's that's, 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 how, that's how much of a genius uh, Dan is. Now we'll we'll we'll, we'll give the 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 BBC One show cameras came in and filmed all this extraordinary, one of the most extraordinary things I've ever witnessed. So Dan... I can't even take a selfie without screwing it up. <laughs> that's pretty good. You know, when you think of what... I can barely put a bandaid on myself, never mind laser, laser my own eyes. So Dan will explain exactly how that works, but it's an extraordinary thing to witness. That is and it was weird done and hilarious for like million, time. millions of viewers on, a, on BBC yeah. One uh, primetime. Uh, Dan can explain. Well, I, 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 no, the, 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 the truth of, this, uh, of the matter is that I was, for several years, I knew I would eventually need it. The age would catch mm-hmm. up with me. And uh, I, so I was planning and doing the calculations and working out the optics of how I could put a prism, for example, in front of my left eye, which would then go to a monitor that would be flipped and inverted so that when I'm looking at it with my left eye, I can do the surgery on my right eye. You know how like women will pluck their eyebrows or something. Just like that. Yeah. Only in the car. <laughs> yeah. And then yell at you, can't you drive more slowly? So, so I, so I, um, was that just me? I, uh, I, I, I went to you. this, yeah. I, 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 I went to my associate, uh, Glenn Carp, who's been with me for, you know, over 10 years. And he came to me as a fellow to train and he was so brilliant. We forced him to stay. So I said to Glenn, I said, look, I, I think I've got a way that I could actually do that. Of course, I'll need you there you know, in case I need to, you know, in case you something, know, some, goes wrong, something yeah. you know, I need you to kind of like take over. He's like, Dan, I am not going to be a part of that. That is, yeah. I'm like, Glenn, it's totally doable. It's, 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 he, he's like, he's like, he's like, Dan, you already have enough enemies. Just let me do it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you, you got me there. You got me there. Dan, Dan, have you ever seen the Jeff Goldblum film The Fly? Yes. Because I don't know why. Yes. This sounds like, what could go wrong? I'm going to transport myself across the... I've got this feeling you and Jeff Goldblum sort of separated at birth. And he's a jazz musician as well. He is a jazz <laughs> James, I'm going to just mention one thing to you. All right. This genius on my genius. right... right has just lasered, and he went through the whole thing about how he could laser his own eye using prisms and monitor. If I hear you bitching ever about <laughs> fiddling with a couple of knobs on a desk, right? Just put it in perspective, fella. All the cables. I'm always moaning about the You're cables. You're always moaning I'm about it. It's like a wire. How tricky can it be? It goes in one thing and comes out the other thing. That's kind of how it works. Right. This is, this is an amazing stuff. Now, Without putting you on the spot now, I want to hear this. Without putting you on the spot, what you said to me was just now one of the myths. It's uh, much cheaper to do daily disposable. Oh yeah, things like that, right? So, well, it, it, roughly, it's simple maths. Roughly, roughly. It's simple maths, but roughly speaking, I believe after four or five years of mm-hmm. using daily disposables, you've actually covered the cost of laser eye surgery. Probably easily. I reckon a daily a daily contact lenses are so yeah. expensive. Yeah. Oh my god, it's like three hundred for like a month. What? Yeah, something. You like serious? That. For like true eyes, it's like two like two fifty or something. Is like that, that much? To get like a full for like left and well, right. Well, then it's way before that. <laughs> you need, you need to I mean, the thing I would say, <laughs> is, the, the, the thing about you know, and the thing about cost benefit is 
That's the cost comparison right there. Yeah. But if you want to do the benefit comparison, yeah. it, it, it's another planet, right? Because the difference here is that you uh, are at a nightclub like uh, Justin here spends his life in at, 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 at 3.30 in the morning on a Saturday night. Uh-huh. And your eyes don't feel uncomfortable uh, with the dryness from all the drinking and the dehydration. Uh-huh. And you wake up on Monday morning, maybe a bit of a headache, but you can see immediately as you open your eyes. You don't have to wait and fumble for your glasses, which you forgot where you put them. It, it, it basically, every second that you are awake, you are now using that 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 benefit. So have, have the you ever benefit. Tried, oh, sorry. sorry. Have you ever tried to take contact lenses out when you're drunk? You probably do more damage than you do good. Trying to. Yeah, well, that's one of the ways that people can damage their eyes with contact lenses. Is is a piece of dust gets under it for some reason, and then removing the contact lens scratches the surface oh. further, and then you get an infection, and then blah blah blah. And then you have a serious. So eye issue here's my latest eye story. Uh, I have twins. They're going to be 21 in June, and uh, they're fanatical about all the Marvel universe so they went off as soon as they could to the IMAX in Waterloo to see the very first screening of Avengers Ensemble or Avengers Endgame it's Endgame yeah. isn't it right and so one twin turns the other goes you're crying he's, I'm not crying I'm not crying don't be ridiculous I'm not crying because he's like six foot three he lives in the gym and he goes I'm not crying I'm not crying and I said what, what, happened to you? <laughs> what happened to your eyes he said well I forgot to blink I said, what? He said, I, I had put one on my glasses, which I never wear glasses, but I put my glasses on. Then I had the 3D glasses on. This film is three hours long, right? I forgot to blink. My eyes were so, because I was so, I said, how can you forget yeah. to blink? He said, I did. Yeah. I do it all the time. I, yeah, well, you're working at it. Well, the, the statistics on that, the medical statistics on that are that when you're just talking to someone, yeah. you blink about 25 to 30 times a minute. When you're working on a computer, yeah. you're blinking about five times a minute. So your blink rate goes down when you're reading or looking at a screen. Oh. And so that's that's computer vision syndrome, right? People get red eyes, sore eyes, yes. itchy eyes when mm-hmm. they've been working on the computer all well, day. I spend hours. It's not permanent damage, uh, well, unless you, you do it over 10 years, but essentially it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the eye getting dry. Yeah. But one, one of the things that occurred to me uh, also about contact lenses, which, um, in terms of people trying to save money, for example, in context, they'll order them over the internet and they'll Ooh. bypass the examination by their optometrist, their optician. And that is even more dangerous because contact lenses are foreign material, yeah. silicone, whatever they're made of, and they're on the most sensitive part of your body. And so it's a shame, actually, it's a, it's a shame that it's become possible to order contact lenses without seeing a medical professional to check your eyes every six months. I've never thought of that. And there's lots of, there's lots of reasons you can't wear contact lenses, right? Like certain shapes of sure. eyes can't, certain well, conditions and stuff y- like that. Well, ho- although um, even more so, it's the fit of the contact lens that might not be right. And in, unless an optician, optometrist is looking at you in, in a microscope, in a slit lamp, and checking this and making sure that things are are still okay every six months, you are at risk of damaging your eyes with contact lenses. The, 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 other, the other side of this, which has been a, around a lot longer, is reading glasses. Yeah. And the fact that you can walk into a supermarket and buy a pair of readers. You're looking at them. Is, well, that's also somewhat dangerous because what's supposed to happen, and you know, it, it's coincidentally wonderful that you start to need reading glasses in your 40s in general, that is around when you need to have your first proper eye exam 
by an eye care professional to exclude diseases like glaucoma, which can blind you without you realizing it. I actually do have proper eye tests, I insist, and I have it every year. Right. It's really thorough. Now, nothing wrong with my eyesight because even I have noticed that on the studio desk is uh, what we don't often see, we normally see bits of water or coffee or stuff, a saxophone. Which might seem at odds with our rather erudite conversation. And yet, this man, apart from being one of the top eye surgeons on the planet, is also a sax player. And apart from the drums, which I play, the sax is my favourite instrument. I absolutely love it. And the bass. Uh, I don't play that. But uh, tell us about your sax. Well, this is don't you are so smutty, you child. Your mother's in the next room. Grow up. Oh, just grow up. <laughs> this sax one, and, and I don't, I don't have an endorsement uh, from Yanagasawa, but um, I, um, I collect saxophones. Um, I don't own any stock, any bonds. I don't have any investments. The well, apart from my house um, right. and my clinic right. uh, and my children. Yeah. Um, but uh, what Did I you have keep the receipt for your children. It doesn't work out. <laughs> just kidding, what I have invested in is saxophones, and I I'm very interested in vintage saxophones. I have a lot of them, but this is a brand new saxophone. It's one of the only new saxophones that I have, oh, and I, I have it snug. because it's a curved soprano saxophone. Oh, you said that, James, didn't you? Move on. Sopranos, yes, sopranos, yes, sopranos yes. in the 30s were yes. straight. They used to be curved, then they were straightened out. They were straightened out because they were very out of tune. In when you get the smaller saxophone, it was very hard to play them in tune to keep them in tune. In the in the 80s, this Japanese company um, started making curved sopranos again, and they found a way of making them much more in tune. And I bought one in 87. Yeah, played it for 20 years, and then a few years ago, I thought, well. Let's see what they've done so far. And they've, they of course, had made a lot of technical improvements. And I went to the website, and I thought, well, I'm old enough now to afford the top-of-the-line saxophone. Get you. And I just, I, and I got to say, looks y- fantastic. if Yanigasawa ever hear me say this, uh, from this on this radio station, uh, you have made the most incredible curved soprano on the planet. This thing is pink gold plated. It's a weird Beautiful thing. Looking. It's a weird thing because we were chatting before the show about our, our mutual friend, uh, um, one of my best pals, Ray Gelato. Ray yeah. Gelato and the Giants, which yeah. is a fabulous band. And Ray, of course, he plays very old. Yeah. Quite the opposite of this. Yeah. Very That's old. Right. And he says, look at this. You know, your eye, and he does it as part That's of the right. app, but he does it in conversation. Your iPhone or whatever phone can be, you know, not work and it's brand new. And that's I'm right. playing a sax that's near like 80, 90 yep. years old. Well, and it sounds sensational. I'll bet you his horn is from about the 40s, the 40s yeah. or the 50s. And those are the ones that I collect. I yeah, have, that's I, what I actually, my tenor played. is from 1956. That's what he plays. Uh, my main oh, tenor. a little bit older than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, my, this, this sandwich on the table is older than you, James. Right, what are you going to play? Well, I'm so um, excited. This is great. I love this. Well, uh, you know, after uh, 50 years on this planet, I decided I was old enough to, I, I really ought to make my first record. Uh huh. And um, so I, I called upon, I, I called some favors in, uh, as one says. And I had operated on a number of really, 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 really famous jazz musicians, which I call the most famous people that no one's heard of. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, 
And uh, one of them, amazing, I was shocked uh, when I walked into the studio and I mentioned this to you, is Mo Pleasure. Yep. And I did Mo, Morris Pleasure's Eyes in uh, about 1980, 98, sorry, 98, um, in Vancouver when I was living there. Um, well, he was with Earth, Wind & Fire at the time. He yes. was their musical director yes, at the time. Yes, yes, yes. And we've been friends ever since. And, of course, 20 years later, what happens is that the reading vision starts to go. So I fixed his distance, yeah. but his reading vision started to go. And so I said, that's fine. You're spending a lot of time in the UK anyway. Uh, I'm so sorry. That is, is my... Is that Morris? That is Morris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's listening in. We're in a what, meeting. you can't see I, Morris? What happened? No, I, I can't. He's, we're we're in playing, a meeting. He's playing Candy Crush, really. We're in a meeting now. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, he, we put him on the laser again and fixed his reading vision. And he wrote this tune, uh, which we're going to play now, called Now That I Found You. Um, and uh, I've... Uh, we've put this on my record, and so this is... Not only have I heard of Mo Pleasure, I've been on the same stage as Mo Pleasure. Oh, yeah. All right. I have. Same drums. No, no, I didn't play. I, I was, I was uh, doing something. It was, a, it was a big show, and I was doing something. It doesn't matter. Right, but he was a, he was a great guy. Sound for sight. Mm, no. no. Okay, okay. It was another thing, but no. it, was, it was great. Mm. All right, here we go. This is the first. One of the top eye surgeons in the world playing... The shall saxophone. I, shall I start the track when ready? Yes.
the hell? Fade out, fade out, fade out. Oh, that was fantastic. Dan Rice. I'm blown away. Dan Rice, one of the top ophthalmic surgeons in the world, and I had no idea. I was kidding when I walked into the room. That was sensational. Absolutely sensational. We're going to take an ad break, and then I need something even more from you. That was just terrific and a first for men's radio station where not only where men really talk but where men really play sax <laughs> you're listening you're listening to men's radio station where men really talk i got to tell you both uh, james blake boy producer and myself blown away from that i had i, I had you know, you know it, it's like when somebody does something brilliantly in one area of their life like what do you do oh, i'm a top eye surgeon okay that's enough that would be sufficient for anybody no what else do you do oh i, I write music mm, okay what else do you do oh i play the sax a bit and then you play that and like james and i are sitting there grinning like two idiots because it was fantastic facebook going potty over it by the way so bless you bless you for that i mean i i do say i like to say sometimes that eye surgery is 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 a really great hobby (laughs) (laughs) it It keeps my mind off it takes my mind off you know the the so when you were playing and you were playing with any sheet music i say that carefully any sheet music in front of you etc etc and you got totally into the zone Mm. and uh my favorite quote for the way that i write uh, novels and stuff. It, it, it comes from Ginger Baker, of all people, the very, very ferocious, angry uh, drummer. Uh, from a documentary in the 60s when they said, oh, well, Mr. B- it was quite posh in the scene, you know, Mr. Baker, tell me, how do you, do you play the drums? Do you practice? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, uh, you don't play the drums, the drums play you. <laughs> and when I when I a- able to go into yeah. like a studio just by myself and I put my headset on and I just play, I don't play with anybody I just play the drums and it makes me feel and you think I don't know how I did that it, and same with writing you, the expression on your face was like you weren't thinking oh what, what do I play now? you were in it you just you become one with the music I thought yeah well that's obviously I, I played the melody uh, mm. that, that Morris wrote um, and then I embellished it a little bit but then there's the solo section Right, which is the open section, and then, uh, yeah, that's the part where you just you got to let your you you have to actually you f- have to force your conscious out of the way, totally, because otherwise totally. the critic is there going ah ah no oh, you already did that one uh, yeah. and you just have to push that out of the way and just listen and get into the sound that you're hearing and translate it immediately onto your fingers. You have to close your eyes, don't you? If you have your eyes open, strangely, I always close my eyes when I play. People mention that. Do I you close your eyes when you're doing eye surgery? I try that actually. <laughs> 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 Very good. Oh god. <laughs> Very good. Right. I always like to ask our guests, and I'm going to ask you as well, Justin. So start start thinking about it. Your top three tips, and it can be on on anything as as wide as you like but remembering that we're trying to deal with well-being and make people's life a little better mm. it sounds simplistic but if we could achieve that then then what howard and i have tried to do here is worthwhile so what would be your top three tips and i didn't even ask you that i was going to i didn't even tell you i was going to do this so i apologize but there we are no it seems um, like it's nothing you can't do so this would be a breeze i think my top top you mean like life tips yeah anything yeah top three tips. my top 
because I can give surgical tips, but that would only really, <laughs> you know, quite to eye narrow, surgeons. Quite you know, a like my field, top I'm eye thinking. surgery tip is <laughs> hold the instrument like this. Um, uh, don't breathe while you're. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, close your eyes. Close your eyes when you do don't this. Don't sneeze <laughs> when you got a scalpel. In close your, your eyes when you're about to. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, no, I. You know, I. I it's interesting. I've. I've I, my number one life uh, lesson, which I learned the hard way. And I think I'm going to say something now that everyone's learned at some point in some way, is that when you are faced with a terrible, terrible disappointment, you need to take it as an energy source to turn it into something else. Mm. And in my life, there have been a number of points where things went so unexpectedly badly and somehow I inherently learned without realizing I was doing it to redirect that negative feeling, that negative energy into doing something else that then would be good for me. Um, And right now, it's interesting because I've had you know, what I thought were terrible things that happened to me during my life. And right now, one of my kids uh, is, is, is fighting leukemia. Oh, I'm so sorry. And that's a perspective which, <laughs> uh, I, I've had the perspective of what you need to do, but mm. I see it in her now. And I, and I see that she has this. She is, she's not looking left, she's not looking right. She is focused straight on. And she's in a good mood, and she's, you know, taking it on, and she's like, "Let's just do this thing." And it, and I look at her, and I and I, I'm not a religious man, but I, I, I am praying that it's all going to go according to plan, and she will come out of this with that, that which I managed to turn around, I think times one hundred. It's these adver- these these moments of adversity, which are actually the fuel for doing great things. Well, first of all, everybody at uh, LRS Men's Radio Station wishes her well. Of course we do. I am so sorry. I can't no. think of anything worse as as a dad myself, mm. watching your kids go through it, and mm. we've kind of been through it ourselves. So uh, that's yeah. really that's, uh, just stupid. I, I'm being very unprofessional because it's should, choked me up. So yeah. that's totally unprofessional. But hey, perhaps, you know, perhaps I, I shouldn't have shared it on no, public no, radio. No, but, no, no. but, but no, you know, but it, it is, is a it, thing when you this turn, happens to people. You know, this is something that happens, it, and it's, happened, it does. it's hit it our family. Does. And I have to say, you know, that the care that she's getting um, at UCLH is stunningly uh, 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 amazing. You know, you're a um, you're a medical man, so let me ask you this, and I'll come on to your other two mm. tips, although it all seems irrelevant sort of thing. That because that's such a huge thing, mm. and I know I'm keeping you longer than I should, but no, hey, if, if that's all right with you, is that I firmly believe that a positive mental, and I'm not, I'm the last person who's ever a hippie. I, I even when hippies were popular, I thought they were rubbish. Um, positive mental attitude can achieve so much. Mm. And if you have a negative attitude, negative stuff will yeah. attract you like a magnet. If you have a positive mental attitude and a can-do attitude, life becomes uh, better. Yeah. No, I do. You, do you, is, is that? I, 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 know, I, I, I agree that it, and an emotional perspective. No, but I agree that it sounds all kind of 
hippie, ethereal, mm. you know, rubbish. But no, I'm 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 also convinced, and I'm a, and you, you're asking me as a medical man, and there, there's no doubt whatsoever. And I when I was doing, you know, the other kind of medicine, life saving medicine, when I was a younger man, um, uh, I saw this. I mm. saw I mm. saw people hold on and make it. And yep. then I saw people go, nah, just let go. Yes. And boom, they were gone. They were, they were, yes, there is something enough. in there is something in our brain, and let's call it the thought processes that create whatever impulses, whatever chemical changes, whatever neuro, you know, autonomic nervous system control systems that are activated, that change the way our physical body uh, 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 reacts to injury. It's an interesting thing. I once went to a lecture by Deepak Chopra, and I yeah. thought, oh, this is going to be nonsense. I was captivated for two hours. He had no notes. He took us into really rarefied realms of physics and science and brought us all along with him. It was at the Royal Geographical Society. And he said one thing that always struck with me, which was the brain is the largest pharmaceutical center you will ever need. Right. It just manages to produce all of these extraordinary things within your body. And I've always taken that with me. And that's why I believe that a sort of a, a PMA, positive mental attitude, hopefully will start it, start it yeah. uh, you know, rolling. About 10 years ago, I, I interviewed uh, one of the America's most decorated military generals. He'd been through the most extraordinary um, uh, situations and bravery, etc. And fascinating guy and I, I said to him what's the one key thing key message the key thing you've learned a kind of a similar question mm -hmm. and he said the thing that strikes me constantly is that a man's survival and he'd seen this thousands of times you know in front of him mm -hmm. um, doesn't depend on the injury that he said he said he's seen people's arms blown off and their faces hanging off if they want to live, and he's looked them in the eye, if they have that tenacity, they will survive always, always, always. Mm -hmm. And if they don't want, and he said that just has constantly um, struck him. So that follows exactly what you're both saying. And, that's but, uh, and, and, and we're talking here about edge of life stuff. But I, the, the, the thing is, you know, uh, I experienced that on things that were, you know, anybody would agree are terrible emotional things to happen to you because that's not as bad as edge of life right but it's still at the time it feels like the worst thing that sure, ever happened to you. but i think this this attitude pm pma pma, PMA i love it this thing extends all the way down to even the simple stuff the very simple stuff if you're like just now you asked me to play mm -hmm. uh, when was the last time i played uh, well actually in truth i played on wednesday night at the 606 <laughs> in chelsea but when was the last time i played before that a month before so I, I i have not had a chance to practice in a long time hmm. and here i am i didn't have time this morning to check even if the read was going to work but i said look i've played for 40 50 years let's just just play just don't worry yeah, about it yeah, just yeah. and somehow something as simple as that if you just switch your mind into positive mode things work out better it's 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 so tr it's so true and in your interviewing uh, career as a journalist justin you must have not just with the general but you must have seen this you come across people who who exude i don't talk about being a braggarts and egotist mm. but people who exude a well-deserved confidence like uh, uh, and i'm not blowing smoke up your backside like you do with you're discussing eye surgery it's just your area of expertise you know Totally, you are master of that universe. You know, if a leaf falls, you know about it, as Milton said. So, 
I, I get that, but you must have met, met, met people and you come away thinking, that's a very positive person. Time after time, and it's it's often the most successful um, uh, people that, that have that attitude, and, and, you, and you can notice it, and it's whether whether they are um, intellectually brilliant or whatever they're, uh, even use the example of the Spice Girls, um, you know, you, you interviewed them, and I interviewed them at the start of their careers and throughout uh, mm. uh, um, many times, and they have, um, even the, the very first time I met them, and these are girls that probably would have been working in, you know, a supermarket or wherever, yeah. you know, thing. But they had such a, a positivity and uh, a human, on a kind of a human energy, based around that belief and positivity, which just blew blew off your your seat. And they, you know, they went into radio stations and they stood on the table and they, you know, they, they did things, and that what was fueling them was exactly the same thing. So yes, time and time again, that it's it's a kind of it's a connection to human beings as well because that human connection gives you, I think, feeds that positivity, um, and it's impossible without it. So I think people that have a negative energy or approach things in a more difficult way are are disconnected from people often, and, and yeah. which is which is sad. And then I guess it perpetuates itself. So I think that that um, energy and positivity, it's a human warmth, a human energy, and it can conquer. Mm. You would hope anything or most things. So mm. it's it's a wonderful thing. Top three tips, Justin. Um, so it's a, it's a good a good question. I suppose the first one would be um, giving people the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think society, Ooh. particularly at the moment, has been there's so many divisions, <laughs> um, and increasingly we're pushed into segments. Whether it's Brexit, whether it's uh, you know all all the obvious ones, yeah. religion, or whatever. But yeah. increasingly, society is is marginalised, and then there's an energy and anger on it. And, and human beings are are psychologically flawed because they will automatically push against you know when they push they push against that whether it's right or wrong to to their to their detriment often so i think always in my life anyway it's been and something that my mom um has fostered in me from when i was born give people always the benefit of the doubt and obviously sometimes people disappoint you things but you can be facing the most ridiculous situations but i think keeping that in the back of your mind and never knowing what the other person in front of you is going through mm. um and sometimes the most rude and obnoxious and difficult individuals you first encounter turn out to be the most lovely and have a reason that they're in that frustration so it's it's a hard lesson to to hold mm. but it's it stood me well mm. um that's very big of you i i mean that genuinely it's very very big of you to do that because um you know i'm i'm writing all the time we are in such a situation now where we are so fragmented we are so angry i wrote a whole thing that i think there's a seismic shift coming which i really do believe um but it's it's great that you could say give people the benefit of the doubt. Most people don't. I think if you know if most people did, it would look at how different society would be. Mm. Um, and yes, there's times when people behave ridiculously and should be brought to attention, and they don't. Uh, that's the, the problem sometimes that they, that they're allowed and able to get away with things, particularly at the, you know, in, in politics and in senior positions, and people take advantage of power that they have. So obviously, you know, it's there's balance. But um, so I that's think tip that's number one. one. Good one. That's a big one. It's a life-changing one. I've got my number two. Okay. It came it came to my mind, actually. And it was... <clears throat> actually, I, I can't... I'll give it at the end of the of the, of the story because otherwise it gives it away. But th- this happened in, in one of the years that I was at a music college. So I took, I took time off in the middle of medical school to go to <laughs> the Berkeley College of Music in Boston. I should do. Obviously. Well, no, but th- 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 this is, this is <laughs> how you end up being able to do two things. You have yeah. to study them, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was very fortunate, and my medical school was extremely, I don't know if they're trying to get rid of me, but they were, they were, they were actually very tolerant. Encouraging. Encouraging. And um, so I went to the Berkeley College of Music in Boston, which in the, in the 80s was the, one of the only places you could study jazz in the world. And I was in the middle of the first uh, year, so just into the second semester. So it's, it's winter in Boston. 
you know, the snow rifts on the on on on, yeah. on, on the side of the road are six huge, feet high. Huge, yeah. Slush everywhere. It's windy. It's horrible. Sounds nice. Um, and, awful. And, My cousin lives there. It looks dreadful, and, frankly. And so I'm, I'm, t- you know, hauling my tenor on my shoulder up into my, uh, up to the first floor, uh, uh, up to my, my saxophone lesson, which is with um, uh, a guy who was with the uh, Jazz Messengers at the time. Oh. Uh, and why am I blanking on his name now? That's terrible. That's because I'm, I'm 56. But it'll come. The blood flow will. The blood flow will come. So anyway, so I come into my lesson and I said, um, "He says, how, how you doing?" I said, "And uh, by the way, I'm going to switch into the way jazz musicians talk now, which is not the way professors of ophthalmology talk." He says, "How, how you doing?" And I said, oh, "Man, I'm depressed." He goes, "Why?" I said, "Because I suck." <laughs> he goes, what, "What do you mean? What do you mean you suck? You sound good." I said, "No, I sound like shit." He goes, why, 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 "Why are you saying you sound like shit? You sound good." <sighs> well, when I'm walking through the practice rooms, and I, you know, listen in over here, and he sounds great, and then I go over to the other side and I listen to him, and he sounds great, and I go over here and she sounds great, and I go into the practice room. And I'm playing, and I sound like shit. And he said, well, if those guys are sounding good, they're not practicing. They're just playing shit they already know how to do. Mm. If you go in there and you sound bad, that's because you're going to learn something because you're trying to do something you can't do. And that, I'm telling you, it was like, the Simpsons, you know, like, like, <laughs> like the, 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 the clouds just opened up, the sun came out. It was just, and I took that back to medical school. And you can, think about what it's like to, for the first time, be in a microscope that magnifies things 30 times. And then you've got your hands holding, like in one hand, the hand that you write with, I'm left-handed, a a, a surgical instrument. And in your other hand, which you don't write with, another instrument holding like a pencil. And you're in the microscope, looking down the microscope, and you're having to move things magnified 30 times on an eye. It's hard, right? Uh, Yeah, a bit. It was... And it was, and it was like, and I had this moment of pressure. I can't get this suture. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's good that you can't do it, because you're gonna learn something. And so that's something which has lived with me for since then. Since then, Bill Pierce, who gave me this advice from the Jazz Messengers. From the Jazz Messengers. Yeah, do listen. Uh, Right, you're that. Um, But do you know what? What you've just uh, one of the things that really drives me crazy in 2019 and I used to be in the music industry and manage people horrible and they expect it like that and it's like you do understand you've got to work you've got to craft you've got to practice you've got to rehearse it doesn't just happen Beyonce doesn't get like that because she's lazy and sits on her ass she does it because she works herself to death to be the best that she can be so does you know, any rate in the Formula One driver, they don't get in the car because they've been on the North Circuit and think they can drive a Ford Capri or some, you know, you know, an Escort. This is ridiculous. You've got to work at it. And that is something which has yeah. been disconnected from life. Yeah. Somehow, so well, the, the, the instant gratification is, it, is, yeah. is, is, is the one of the worst uh, infections. It, it's, uh, it's, it's endemic. Awful. And, I, and I, the, the I, phones I, have, have made it 10 times worse. Social media, the uh, phone, Simon Cowell, all of that. Not oh, no, seriously. To, all no, of you're, no, you're I mean, absolutely right. I'm being, you're absolutely I'm right. being absolutely serious. You know, when I studied medicine, you had to go to the library 
you had to go to the index. You had to look up on these little cards, and then you got to go to the right shelf, and then they're na- you know it's letters, then numbers, and it's very hard to work out. And then the book's not in the right place, and then you f- and you find that, and then you can't find it. Then you go to the librarian, she says, "Yes, it's out. I'll call. You. I'll send you a yeah. postcard in two weeks' time, so you yeah. can come and collect it." Yeah, yeah. I've only ever seen that in movies. Well, I've never believe. I mean, that. people. That's how we used to study. Remember that? Yes. And now books, you just James. you're books. in the middle of dinner. Yeah, we've lost, and it. you pull out your cell phone and look it up yeah. Google instantly the thing you want the answer to bang right two more tips um, uh, second one for me I suppose I play to the edge um, not necessarily break rules but break rules where and when it's appropriate and if you can take things to the edge um, that's always served me quite well so you know society has rules and boundaries for a reason and, and, and whether in anything that you do whether it be um you know, on on a, on a legal base or whatever. But if you mm. can, if you take things to uh, an edge in your own mind that that you know within reason, I found that that um, often has has many advantages. And don't be afraid to play things right to the edge, with you know with 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 reason. And that served me uh, extremely well. Society and and the things have rules in place for a reason. But I think taking you know being using your own mm. common sense yes. where applicable. Not you know obviously there's a boundaries but that that served me quite well play to the edge i think makes sense be your own be you master, that, that, be your that, own that's i had a patient who was a professor of psychology and i said what what are your what, what's your area of in interest and he said i, I i'm interested in risk mm. uh how humans evaluate risk mm. and so one of the things that he said you know in a nutshell is that the human psychology is designed to be very bad at assessing risk mm, yes and that is perpetuated evolutionarily because it helps evolution. It goes exactly to what you're saying. If we were good, really good at calculating risk, we wouldn't do. We would have never gone to the moon. We would have never, yes. you know, <coughs> Jose Ignacio Barraquer would have never done the first keratomelusis that led to the laser research that we now do. Risk is part of evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we're very bad, you know, if you, if you have something. Uh, you, you will fight to to keep it, whereas if it's something you could attain, you will not pl- apply the same energy uh, and logic to it. So it's those little things like that. I think always to, it's obviously it's difficult to change your own innate human character, but keeping that in mind, even if it just makes one or two decisions in your life different, mm. I think can be very progressive. Mm. One more tip each. Oh, you stumped me. For, for, for me, for <laughs> me. All right, for I, me. I'll, for I'll, me. Let, All right. I'll let you off because you played. <laughs> no, no, no I'll, I'll, I'll get it. But the, no, no, go, yeah. He goes first. He oh, goes first. I suppose we'll, the, other we'll th- the other thing for me, I suppose there's many things I can say, but the other thing for me that I think is relevant um, to everybody, you know, is to keep in mind time. So people are going through hard things. People are going through good things. But keep in mind that it's it's everything is moving. Everything is always moving. So no matter whatever challenges you're facing, um, whatever you're doing in your life, um, to enjoy the good or to get through the bad, things are not. Um, people think of things as a solid block of things. This is the way it is. This is the way it will always be. It's not the way it will always be. You know, look at how society has changed in the last year, in the last ten years. Keep always in mind. I think, and it's, it seems a silly thing to say, but sometimes people overlook it. That everything is everything is in motion, in constant motion. So a bad moment is a bad moment. That's all it is. It's a moment, and I think keeping that. Maybe more at the forefront of the mind might be no bad thing. That's a great tip. That is really. That is really. But that that, then that ties into what we were talking about before about music in in jazz. Is that um, you're in in jazz? You you are literally living in the moment. 
right? You're not thinking about the future when you're thinking about what you're going to play in the next microsecond. And living in the moment and, li and actually enjoying yourself despite anything else around you, being able to live that is part of recognizing. So, so important. People say to you, Russ, why do you live at a million miles an hour? I say, because. Mm -hmm. um, most important of all, wish your daughter Thank you. a good recovery. I hope she makes great progress, um, sure. you know, and um, we wish you all well. Uh, I, this has been one of my favorite in interviews like we've ever done, and, and, we, and, and we've done a, a hell of a lot. Uh, Justin mm -hmm. Stoneman, thank you so thank much you, for coming thank in. You, top thank you journalist, and now we can it. see what he's doing. <laughs> and uh, one of the top eye surgeons, and I'm gonna say jazz players in the world, sax players, what the hell. Dan Reinstein, thank you so much for coming in for thank Men's you. Radio Station. I really appreciate thank it. You so thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're listening to Russ Kane on Men, Men's Radio Station, where men really talk. talk.